Welcome to today's energy show. It's my pleasure to introduce Brad Hevner. Brad is the policy director of the California Solar Energy Industries Association, or CalSEA. Brad's here today to talk about net metering in California and especially the upcoming Public Utilities Commission decision on net metering. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you very much. Good, good. Just for the listeners, if you could explain what net metering is, and that'll put the, the show's topic into, into perspective. Sure, yeah, it's very simple. It, it, this is for solar generators or anyone who generates electricity themselves at the building where they use electricity. And it simply means that the meter runs backwards when you're producing more electricity than you use. When you feed electricity into the grid, the meter runs backwards. And then at nighttime, you pull electricity off the grid, the meter runs forwards, and then you're just billed at the end of the month for your net usage. So it's that you get full credit for all of the electricity that you put on the grid. So basically, you're selling power back to the utility at the same price that they sell it to you. It's kind of that's correct. Yeah. All right. And and what does that net metering do for the economics for a solar customer? How does that save them money? What 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 numbers work out for people? Well, it's essential for solar. It's been a, a big reason for uh, the growth in solar we've seen in recent years because the sun shines in the daytime but you don't use all your electricity in the daytime. You use a lot of the electricity at nighttime. So it allows you to put that electricity you produce in the daytime to use by putting it on the grid. It goes to your neighbor's houses. And then at nighttime, you're able to, to buy electricity off the grid without double paying. If you didn't get credit for the electricity you put on the grid, then you would only be benefiting from the electricity that the solar panels put out while you're using it, get a benefit from the electricity you use directly, and then the economics just wouldn't work out. So it's essential to be able to sell your excess so that you can affordably buy the, the power when the sun isn't shining. Yeah, it, and it's a it's a very simple, elegant system. The meters basically just run backwards when you're feeding power back. And, and you know, I've got a system. I've had systems on my house for a long time. And my bill last year was, was actually negative $50, so I had a zero bill. Now, I'm not in the house during the day. So during the day, those 30 solar panels on my roof are cranking out power, and it's the most expensive power for the utility, and the utility is kind of getting the benefit of that, that expensive power during the day. It's going literally to my neighbors. I'm not using it, but I'm, I'm able to get credit for that, and it, that works out pretty well. So what are the current technical rules for net metering? Are there any limits on net metering right now? Well, it's set up so that you only are supposed to generate as much power as you use over the course of an entire year. So you can actually oversize the system and, and be a net generator, but the utility pays you almost nothing for the excess electricity that you put on the grid. So it's basically to zero out your power over the course of a year. And then a very important part of the current rules is what we call full retail credit, meaning that you're selling power for the exact same price you're buying power. And that's really what net metering is, just the meter running forward and backwards at the same speed and it's the same rate that you're selling and buying. Right. And, you know, what's, it, is, yeah, and, and what's interesting from the utility's perspective is power that they distribute during the day is, is typically more expensive power because they have limits on their generation. So when, they, when the utility on a, on a sunny, hot day has to meet a lot of air conditioning load, they have to run more expensive generating equipment. And that power actually costs them more. Sometimes in California, I know they import power from other states. So the, the solar is actually providing that excess power pretty affordably to the utilities. And they're, they're definitely benefiting from that. 
Yeah, it's statewide. That's a huge benefit of having the amount of solar that we've been able to put on to the system. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Um, just this week, there was another reason why solar is so useful to the utility, if you know, someday that they would, would admit it, is it was in the middle of the winter, right? So winter, it's really cold around the whole country. There's a natural gas shortage. And we think we have a lot of natural gas. Everybody's saying fracking is going to result in, you know, Lots and lots of energy. Well, it turns out that there was a shortage of natural gas in the pipelines. And the utilities in California were saying, don't use that much electricity because they're having trouble buying natural gas. Now, in reality, they probably have to pay a lot for the natural gas. And the fact that there's so much solar going into the grid saved those utilities some money. They didn't have to buy as much expensive natural gas. That's right. And really, it would make sense for the utility to pay even more for the electricity that they get during peak times. But what we're seeing now is the utilities want to pay less for power that's generated from solar customers all around the state. And so they would like to sell you power at one price and buy back the power that you put on the grid at a lower price. And, you know, really this is because they are afraid of so much solar. They, they, solar in the long run will eat into their profits according to their current business model. And so they're, they're trying to uh, reduce the amount of solar out there. And one of the ways they're doing it is with this proposal to reduce the amount that they pay for the electricity that you put on the grid. Good, good. That's a good segue into uh, you know, the topic that's, that's happening over the next few weeks at the Public Utilities Commission. So it, it, why don't you explain what AB 327 was and what the Public Utilities Commission is in the process of trying to decide? Yeah, AB 327 was originally a bill to even out electricity rates a little bit because of rate caps that had been in place, the uh, upper-tier rates for high users, people who use a lot of electricity, have been very high. And, and, and so legislation was put in to smooth that out a little bit so there weren't such extremes between the, 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 the prices paid by those who use a lot of electricity and those who don't use it as much. Halfway through the process, the utilities uh, were able to push amendments to the bill, which basically rethinks all of net metering, puts into question the future of net metering. And so a new net metering uh, set of rules will come into into place. The Public Utilities Commission is now uh, starting to consider what those new rules will be. Will it be full retail credit? Will the utility pay you the full and fair price for the electricity that you put on the grid, or will that be a reduced price, or will there be an entirely different system that is not exactly net metering? And the immediate question before the Public Utilities Commission is for those that already have solar panels and have net metering agreements with the utility, and they're expecting to get full price for the electricity they put on the grid, Will those, how, for how long will those rules continue? Will they be able to, for the life of their solar system, have this full retail credit? Or will that agreement terminate at some point and then the rules get changed to whatever the, the new scheme is? This is something that we're expecting a decision from the Public Utilities Commission, a, a preliminary dis, dis, decision within days, and a final decision is required by the end of March. Well, that's a that's a pretty big issue. Now, I, I know that a lot of times the utilities do grandfather rates that they like, but, but but I presume that this is not 
a, a rate net metering that they like, so they'd rather not see it grandfathered. So, so for existing solar customers, I, I think the way it's going to probably work out is anybody who's signed up with solar before X date, you know, call it the end of 2014, is going to be grandfathered for a certain number of years, say 30 years or so. And then if you sign up for solar after that, then a new deal is going to apply. I think that would kind of be a, a fair system as long as that new deal is also uh, pretty close to the current net metering rule. Do, do you have any ideas at all, Brad, about what they're proposing or, or what does Kelsia propose? We are proposing 30 years or more for the time period that people are able to keep their current net metering rule. And so, therefore, we're saying, hey, customers had the expectation. They were given the expectation by the state, by the utilities, by solar companies. It was everybody's expectation that the net metering rules would be good for the life of the system. You signed an agreement to put panels on your, head, on your, on your house and you invested your own money, and you did that with the expectation that you would be able to use the current net metering rules for the life of that system. And we need to honor that. The state needs to hold up its end of the bargain. A deal is a deal. And so therefore, given that the legislation requires the PUC to establish a, a time period when those rules will change, it should be 30 years out at the expected life of a system so that people are able to to keep their rules, as has been the expectation all the way along. Yeah, the other the other um, good thing that's working for us is that we can all be fairly confident that utility rates will continue to rise. So even if, you know, in the future net metering is, you know, maybe you get 90% instead of 100% net metering. So let's say that the retail rate is $0.20, cents and, and so maybe you get credited at, at $0.18, cents, still leaving some money for the utilities, still leaving a profit for them. As electric rates continue to go up, the, the existing solar customers and new solar customers are, are certainly going to be able to generate their own electricity for less money than they're being charged by the utilities. So That's right. And also, we expect to, the, the prices of solar systems to continue to decline. And so it, it's interesting because really the, the reality and perhaps even the goal is that the economics from the customer side is pretty much the same whether they signed up five years ago or today or five years from now. The cost of the system goes down, but so does the subsidy. And so and the, the rules are a little less favorable, perhaps, over time, but they've paid less for the system. So really in terms of the payback period and the, the amount of savings that they generate over the life of the system, it's going to be pretty consistent whether they do uh, sign up for solar now or a couple of years from now. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. At, at my old company, Aquino Solar and Westinghouse Solar and, and new company, Cinnamon Solar, I just think back and I'm, I'm still bumping into customers that I did installations for like in 2001. And I, I cannot think of a single customer that ever bought a system from, from my company that said, gee, I wish I waited. Every single one of them is like, I'm happy they got it. Their bill is really low, and uh, they're, they're recommending it to other people. And that, that's even though when these people bought systems 10, 12 years ago, they were almost three times more money, but the incentives were bigger. So it, it all kind of works out pretty well. Well, let's change the subject a little bit away from California temporarily, and let's talk about what's happening now in Hawaii with rooftop solar. There's so much solar going in to Hawaii, particularly in Oahu and certain districts, that the utility, the Hawaiian Electric Company utility, is saying no more solar because there's too much solar. What, what's that all about? Well, the growth in solar in Hawaii has 
been strong because they're uh, isolated from an energy perspective. They get most of their energy from imported oil, and that's very expensive for them. So it makes a lot of sense for, for uh, businesses and homeowners in Hawaii to, to go solar. And so the, the, number, the growth numbers there have, have been uh, just outstanding. But it's come to a point where the traditional utility model and the grid management system is getting challenged by so much solar, and they are needing to, to uh, redo those systems quickly. California will be able to learn from their experience. Uh, what's likely to happen is they'll spend a bunch of money on battery storage, so electricity the use and generation can be smoothed out. Uh, and then they'll also install some, some smart grid functionality that just allows the grid to manage the generation that is happening all over the, all over the grid. You know, the traditional grid is centralized power plants, huge coal and nuclear plants, long-distance power lines with power flowing in one direction with consumers using it at the end. That's the way the system was built. When you start generating electricity all over the place, it takes some different mechanics for the grid. And we will be able to transform our grid and, and, and put in those modern mechanics over time. Uh, and luckily in California, we still have time to do that uh, at a reasonable pace. In Hawaii, they let the solar get out be- before they did the grid upgrades, and now they're having to scramble pretty quickly to catch up. Well, I'd say in Hawaii, anybody in the industry could see that the, the trend was accelerating in Hawaii, gee, that their electric rates, um, the average rate is 35 cents a kilowatt hour. So th- that, that was pretty obvious that it was going to happen there. And the utility, to my knowledge, um, did almost nothing about it. And now they're saying, oh, there's going to be this big problem. So they're, they're basically shutting down the solar industry. They're shutting down these indiv- individual contractors who are trying to put systems on rooftops. And, and candidly, I'm not aware of any big problems that have happened yet. And, and the same thing is kind of going on in, in Germany. So the, the, there are things that the utilities can do. It's not free, but there are, there are uh, voltage control systems that they can install uh, locally that are going to adjust the voltages appropriately so that the power can flow in both directions. I think the real key for the utility and the problem the utilities have is they just don't want to spend that money to have the power go backwards. And it's kind of a double whammy for them because not only do they not want to make the investment in the new equipment, but they also don't want to experience the losses of less power being sold to customers because the customers have these rooftop systems. So it, it's to a very large degree by the utility's own design that these things are getting shut down because that's what they want to do. Yeah, I think really that the, the role of the public utilities commissions is to say solar is so important that we need to make these changes so that we can have a, a smooth flow of power both ways on the grid and benefit from this clean renewable power. Um, so, so, so could this, do you think the utilities in California could shut things down like they're doing in in Hawaii? I mean, I know there's a net metering cap in California. Are we getting close to that? Well, that net metering cap will last at least until 2017 by current projections, and and it's due to terminate then even if we don't reach the cap. So between now and 2017, we're good. You know, if you sign up, you're going to have good rules, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to connect to the system. And after that, we you know, that leaves us some time to figure out what next. Now, the utilities are putting immense pressure on solar uh, right now in many other ways. And uh, it's sort of death by a thousand cuts that they're, they, through different rate proceedings and all sorts of 
technical proceedings of the Public Utilities Commission, you know, the utilities have an army of lobbyists and lawyers to uh, pick away at, at the rules and, make, and try to make them less friendly to solar. It makes my job challenging, but in reality, people want more solar. The top policymakers want more solar. We need more solar to reduce our emissions from the electricity system. So I, I'm very confident that we're going to prevail. But it's going to take a lot of work, and the utilities will continue to try to chip away at, at, at solar. So um, you mentioned that the utilities l- literally have armies of uh, attorneys and lobbyists working on this. Uh, the solar industry in California has 200,000 members of its army uh, alone, and these are people that already put solar on the roof. So how can all these people in California or in other states act? Is there a, a website? Is there a letter? Is there an email petition that people can sign on to? How do they do that? Invite them to come to calcia.org, C-A-L-S-E-I-A, uh, calcia.org, California Solar Energy Industries Association, and there's a petition there that they can sign. Vote Solar is another organization that's good to team up with, that they're there to stand up for existing solar cu- customers. You can find Vote Solar on the web. But maintain a good relationship with your installer. The company that installed your system is engaged in these issues, and through them, you will be able to uh, have an impact. That's that's good because you talk about installers, and that's what we do at Cinnamon Solar. I was looking at a recent statistic from um, uh, SIA that that showed that there's over forty-seven thousand people in California working in the solar industry. And that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, California is by far the biggest state in terms of installations and also jobs. But that's a lot of direct jobs that have been created here. And you think about the impact on those 47,000 people in 2017, it would be probably closer to 100,000 by then, if the solar industry is, is shut down or suppressed. I mean, it's a big economic engine for us. That's right. I mean, it's a real industry. You know, this isn't just the fringe industry that a lot of people think of it as. It's, this is a real industry. And then on top of that, it supports other industries. There are a lot of businesses in California that are stronger because they are able to take their energy production into their own hands and produce it sustainably and affordably. And that benefits those businesses, which employ many more people. So, the more that we can have a sustainable energy system in California, the more that we can have a sustainable economy overall. Yep, yep. And and it's just amazing. You look at some of the high-level numbers, 47,000 people employed. You look at what an individual homeowner saves. They, they you know, save two or $3,000 a year um, on their electric bill, and that's money that can be spent on the local economy in other ways. So uh, it's pretty good. And then you got these events like last week, natural gas shortage, there was a lot of solar generation that's good. I read in the paper yesterday that there's a big drought uh, that people know about in California, and hydroelectricity isn't going to be available this year because there's no water in the reservoir. So during the summer, when we, we have these big power use power draws, the historical action by the public by the um, the uh, independent system operator the grid operator in California is let's just open up the faucets on these uh, hydro dams and, and generate a lot of hydroelectricity well there's no water in the dam so this summer we're not going to be able to do that but luckily we've got so much solar capacity that's coming online that that they don't expect that lack of hydro to be a problem this year and that's that's pretty good yeah, it is amazing. And you know, down in Southern California with this San Onofre nuclear plant getting shut down unexpectedly a couple of years ago, when that first happened, a lot of people were saying, we're going to have blackouts. 
we are not going to have enough electricity in the summer. And that has not happened. And it's partially because the amount of solar has just been booming all over the state. It's partially because we've had mild weather, luckily, and, and, and it hasn't really come close to the, the limit. Uh, and they have turned on some, some old, you know, they've, they've put some plants back online that, that, that had been shut down. But the solar is a big factor there, and and then you look into the future, and it can be even more of a big factor if it continues to grow. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So so let's put those future eyeglasses on. What kind of changes are, are going to need to be made in, in the way in which utilities run their business, what we call the utility business model, to make it so that we can really benefit from this two-way power flow and um, homeowners can generate power and benefit from the grid and everybody in California isn't going to have to worry about uh, a, a lot of greenhouse gas generation. What, what could that utility business model start to look like? Well, you know, utilities manage the grid, right? They manage the wires that we uh, transmit electricity on, that's their core function. That's really what they're set up to do. And we need to make sure that they, they are able to continue doing that. And they really, they could. The problem is that you know, utilities are for-profit monopolies who have shareholders that need to see growth in revenue. And that's, it, it, it's, it's tricky to see how that's going to be sustainable where they're getting ever, you know, traditionally there's been an increasing market with more people buying more electricity and that has satisfied the shareholders of utilities. In the future, we're, they're just going to need to be able to live a little more uh, steady state where they're able to get a fair price for managing the grid and it covers their costs. And, you know, we, traditionally we've guaranteed profits for them to, uh, to cover their costs for managing the grid. And, and that can continue, that they collect a, a fair price from everybody for running the wires. Well, you mentioned that it's a, they're running a business and their investors want to continue to expect steadily increasing profits. Well, you know, every business isn't like that. Industries change, technology uh, disrupts things, and that's what's happened here. So the, the investors in the utility industry are going to have to start expecting um, some change. And obviously the, the utilities don't like to see that. Well, so just w- one more time. So anybody listening here, anybody uh, on the podcast, what can listeners do? What, what action items can people take to make sure that rooftop solar continues in a, in a nice, unabated, strong growth fashion in California? Yeah, it'd be great if everyone goes to calcia.org and signs the petition to uh, maintain fair rules under net metering uh, at C-A-L-S-E-I-A, calcia.org. And also keep in touch with your installer so that you can be involved and your installer has a strong political voice to be able to stick up for you as these changes at the Public Utilities Commission are debated. All right, that's that's an excellent suggestion, an excellent uh, overview, Brad, with the, uh, the the net metering issues that are going on in California, and you know, we know what happens, uh, what starts in California usually spreads throughout the rest of the country, so this is really um, ultimately going to be a national issue. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks for joining us. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 